life can be very uh, instructional to us about uh, living for the Lord and staying faithful to Him for years. And uh, we're not preaching on Ruth herself. We're mainly going to focus on Naomi today. Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 1, And it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. He just did what seemed right to him. Seemed to make sense. There was a famine in the land. Seemed like there was a little more food down in Moab, so down he went. He and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab. Oh, look at this phrase. And continued there. Now, a lot of times that's where you get in trouble. And do not misunderstand, I'm not justifying any sin. I wish, I wish that we could do perfect and to the point that we didn't sin at all, not for one moment. But I think that we know that we are going to have some slip-ups. I think we know that we are going to have human frailty. Let me tell you what you can decide to do. You can decide not to continue there. When you realize, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm getting into the flesh too much here. Stop right then. Amen. When you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm starting to love all the world stuff. Stop right then. When you know it's wrong and continue in it, that's when God says, okay, Buster Brown, that's what you want. I'll let you have it. Amen. And he has done that to me, I assure you. And he's done that to every one of us, I truly believe. Don't continue there. But... Elimelech and uh, Naomi and Malon and Chilion continued there. How many guesses it isn't going to turn out good for them? Amen. The Lord is merciful. When you sin, <coughs> He oftentimes does not make you pay the full price. The Lord knows that. <coughs> the longer you stay in it, the more price you are going to pay. So let's continue the reading in verse 3. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. <laughs> First, the one who's responsible, the one who's supposed to be the leader, who led them down there and kept them down there, paid first and <coughs> most um, definitely. Verse 3, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. So what happens the longer you stay in the world, the more you get entangled with it. Yes. And pretty soon there's all kinds of ties made that you can't get loose from. Amen. I've heard preachers many times illustrate it like a boa constrictor getting around you squeezes the life out of you and kills you. When it wraps around you just one time, a lot of times you can still get free. But when it wraps around you a second time and a third time and a fourth time, you're going to get out. 
A lot of times people describe it as roots growing down in the ground. If it's a young plant and the root has only gone down a small way, a child can grab that plant and pull it out, root and all. Boy, you let it turn into a tree and roots all in the ground deep, it's hard to come up with a machine that can pull that thing out. Before you stay in the world long, before you please your own flesh long, before you mess around with spiritual junk that you know doesn't sound anything like God in the Bible because it's spirits from the other side, stop Amen. before a root of bitterness, before a root of bad habits are formed that you can't quit real easily. But they stay, they stay 10 years, next thing you know they're married into this group, worshiping false gods and everything. Verse 5, And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. That's interesting to me that even in a pagan land, she is praying for them, saying the Lord find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. She's praying for them to get good husbands. Even there, that was important to her. She thought that was something that God was involved in. It was God that brought Eve to Adam, wasn't it? Verse 10, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, Ruth clave unto her. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. You gotta admit, she sounds like she means business. Amen. Did you know there are some things you can commit to all the way until death? Good. What if you change? What if your personality changes? What if you learn something? There are some things that are absolutely eternally true, and you can go ahead and commit to them at five years old, and at 95 years old, it'll still be just as true. Now, you know what? A lot of things are not, so, are not that way. They're not so. 
Because the more you know about them and the more you understand about them, the more you'll see you were wrong when you were younger. But not this book. This book is eternal. I committed to this book when I was so young, I'm not sure I was reading yet. Now, at 53 years old, I'm still committed to it. And where it has been, where my decisions have been wrong, they weren't wrong because the book was wrong. They were wrong because I disobeyed the book. Amen. She said, I'll, I'll make a commitment to you till death. I'm staying with you. Notice that phrase at the end of verse 16. And by God, my God. There was something about that God that had stuck out to her. Just like uh, Rahab. Rahab believed in the God of Israel coming in there, didn't she? And she said, listen, you don't kill me in my father's house. I'll take care of you because we know your God is the right God. Verse 18, Ruth 1. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. <laughs> That's a real good thing to do sometimes. Man, I wish I would have understood that as a much younger man. <laughs> sometimes I felt like if I just explained it again for the 95th time, they would see it this time. <laughs> I try to tell my kids once or twice and then move on. They've decided not to listen to you or they don't agree with you or whatever. But that's what, that's what Ruth understands here. She says, I've talked to her, but I can see she is steadfastly minded. I'm going to let her do it. Let me tell you something. Human beings have their own free will. Amen. Explain it. Explain it again. Then move on. Let them decide. Even the ones that are under your authority. Between them and God, whether or not they go by that authority. Don't get me wrong, they'll pay a sore price if they don't. I understand you've got to make some exceptions for kids. You don't let you, know, you don't let a kid run out in front of the car because you done told him twice and now it's his choice. <laughs> I'm not talking about little children. I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about adults. Verse 19, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Chapter 2 begins, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose side I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hat was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, Naomi, my delight. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll come down and speak to us, and I pray that you'll reveal to us some important things. God, to help us to understand how to live for you, even in hard times, even surrounded by heathen, even with some heartbreak that's inevitably going to come to our lives. God, I pray we stay faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
I want to say this morning that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it. And it's not what you got, it's what you do with it. I'm telling you, Naomi was a great example of all of these things. Now I looked up the meanings of some of these names. Elimelech, the husband of uh, Naomi, uh, his name means, my God is king. He's a, he's a man that was raised right. He knew that God was supposed to be his king. Naomi's na uh, name means my delight. Their sons, Malon and Chilion. Malon means sick. Chilion means pining. Pining. Uh, to fail gradually in health or vitality from grief, regret, or longing. Let me tell you what you need to do, folks. From time to time in your life, some things are going to go wrong. And there's going to be a period of grieving, and there should be, and I, I totally understand that. There comes a point you need to get up and move on from it. 30 days, 60 days, 6 months, 2 years, I don't know how long you need, but it shouldn't be the rest of your life. Because after a while, it turns into pining, and you gradually fail in health or vitality from grief, regret, or longing. The Apostle Paul did some things... In a sense, he never got over, but I'll tell you what he said. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you can't get over something, ask God to help you. Do your best to move on from it. Malon, Chilion, meaning pining. Orpah, name meaning gazelle. And sometimes when I preach about these things, I talk about how gazelle has that uh, long neck. And Orpah was very able to uh, be looking at her mother-in-law and crying and kissing her, but also turning back and looking at how she missed, like Lot's wife, missed Sodom. How she missed the old pagan places. Ruth's name means friendship. Wow. Boy, Ruth was a friend that stuck with her, wasn't she? She stayed. And Mara means, of course, bitterness. And that was what Naomi said that, uh, they should call her now. All right, now let's look into this a little bit more closely. <laughs> Went too long with the introduction. The main sermon will have to be a good bit shorter. All right, Naomi's investments. Let me tell you something. Naomi invested in some things. Uh, one thing that will discourage some people is when they put a lot into something and it fails them, that breaks their heart. That disappoints them. I can understand that. Uh, she invested heavily in the Lord and her family and it looked like all of a sudden it hadn't done any good. If you've knelt beside the rubble of an aching broken heart, if the things you gave your life to fell apart, you're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow, grief, and pain. But the Master promised sunshine after the rain to invest your seed and trust in God in mountains you can't move. You have risked your life on things you cannot prove. But to give the things you cannot keep for what you cannot lose is the way to find the joy God has for you. Amen. You looking for uh, rewards from that which you can see, you may not ever get them. But there's a just God keeping the record. Yeah. And you might get some of them down here. In many cases, you get some of your paybacks here on earth. That does happen to some degree. But the main pay will be of judgment day. Amen. Keep that in mind. So Naomi had invested in things. She has invested in God. She is from Judah in Israel. That was the God she trusted. That was her background. That was her family. 
Tell you something else. She had invested in God and that she attributed food as coming from God. It says in chapter 1, verse 6, after her husbands and sons had died, it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. Do you believe God provides your food? Oh, yeah. I sometimes think rich, fat, spoiled Americans think it's because they work real hard for it. Let me tell you something. There's some people all over this world worked harder than any American ever thought about working. And poor things still wasn't fed very well. It's the blessing of God that feeds you whether you work hard or not. Now, I'm all for working hard. I'm not preaching against working hard. But don't think it's how smart you are or how hard you've worked. It's the blessing of God upon your hard work that gives you anything to eat. And she understood that. She attributed food as coming from God. She attributed blessing as coming from God. She said, the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Why did she say that? Because she knew if they got blessings in life, it'd be from the Lord. All good gifts and every perfect gift is from above. She not only attributed food from God and blessings from God, she attributed bad circumstances from God. We serve a just God. He sends us blessings, but he also sends us a punishment. How many of you, spiritually speaking, has had your hind end whooped by God a few times? <laughs> if we're honest, we, we pretty much all have. A good father loves us, and God is a good father. In uh, chapter 1, verse 13, she says at the end of the verse, It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. In verse 20 and 21, it says... Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. She had invested in God. I'll tell you something else, she had invested in her husband. She had married him and committed to him and had children with him. And when he decided to leave the God's land because of the famine, she went with him. She was faithful. She stayed right there with him. She stayed with him as they continued. I wonder if she had some second thoughts about this. I wonder if she got down there and said, you know, there ain't a whole lot more bread down here. And on top of that, I'm real uncomfortable with this culture and how it's influencing our family. I don't know. I'm speculating. But maybe she thought some of these things. But she stayed faithful to him. She stayed with him. Uh, I don't read any complaints with him. I don't read that she said, well, he was just a wicked man and God killed him. All I read is the Lord, the Lord uh, has dealt bitterly. But I don't read one word of blame upon him. She was invested in God. She was invested in her husband, or, or not from her. Now, many preachers, as we preach this, will say, hmm, he probably shouldn't have gone down there and stayed down there. But I don't read where Naomi says that. She had invested in her sons. Malon, sick. Bless your heart. If you have a sick child, you, you know it. You spend some time with it. I sometimes hear those stories of somebody with a child in the hospital, a child with a bad injury, a child with a bad disease or sickness. Oh, how my heart goes out to him. A guy was in my office there at uh, Builder's First Source not long ago telling me the story of his daughter that was real bad sick and another child that was brought in while they were there with his daughter and one of them, after a terrible long time, made a great recovery, and the other one died. And by the time he left my office, I was weeping. 
few things will touch your heart, like hearing about a poor, injured, or sick child and the things that they go through. She was invested in her son Malon. She was invested in her son Chilion. Even while suffering the consequences of Malon's sickness and Chilion's pining, sorrowing over the past, she was invested in him. Tell you something else, she was invested in her daughters-in-law. These, these weren't her blood kin. They just married her sons. But she took them in like they were part of her family. They, they loved her. They were going to go back to God's country with her. And one of them still did, but one of them, she let herself be talked out of it. They stayed with Naomi. They started to Bethlehem with her. They had every intention of going. She had to stop them to try to talk them out of it. Boy, did you know there are some Bible-believing Baptists could use a little personality fix from somebody like Naomi where some people would want to stick with us? <laughs> the world doesn't like us. I can understand that. Uh, the other denominations don't like us. And I can kind of understand that. Hey, our fellow Baptists don't even like us. <laughs> There's something wrong somewhere. <laughs> we ought to keep a few around us. Her, her daughters-in-law from a different culture wanted to stay with her. She had to put her foot down to even get one of them to go back. They were so good to her. They, and when one of them finally did leave, she was very emotional. She lifted up her voice and wept if she had to leave her mother-in-law. Naomi was invested. But what was the problem? Well, the problem was Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Chilion decided to uh, go into another country God hadn't probably told them to go to because it just seemed right to them. Be real careful about doing what seems right to you. What does the book of Judges say? There was no king. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Trouble. What did Dr. Upton say is the greatest lesson that he ever learned in his whole life? That he didn't have the sense to direct his own life. He left God. My heart goes out to some people, especially somebody like Naomi that was under a husband that led her wrong. Maybe some people under some religious instruction that led them wrong. I've been blessed in that I've been under Bible-believing Baptist ever since I can remember. I haven't been told one wrong thing. I've done some wrong things because I disobeyed the clear teaching of Scripture, but it wasn't because I was led wrong. It was because I rebelled against it. Amen. But think how some people might must feel that wake up and realize they were led wrong. They were totally wrong. My heart goes out to them. I understand why after being led wrong, all of a sudden they don't trust anybody and think, I'm going to have to take it in my own hands. I'm just going to lead myself. Better look out about doing what's right in your own eyes. And then people in the opposite way. They've been leading themselves all along, and they've messed it up so bad, they're looking for somebody else to lead them. Because they don't trust themselves anymore. I don't care which side you come from. Let me give you an answer to both dilemmas. One stupid sinner is just as going to mess you up just as bad as another stupid sinner. <laughs> whether it's a lost person leading you wrong or whether it's you, your own self, leading your own self, we're all just stupid sinners. You know what we do, better do? We better follow God. Let's do a short Bible study on that. That's an important truth. 
All right, turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by his family, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by some real strong characters and experts, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and he delighteth in his way. You be sure that you have a relationship with the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, so that when he tells you what to do, you do it. And if you follow a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, you'll get a bone steer. And let me tell you what every one of you are, a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. <laughs> Don't think, well, they, yeah, look, they might lead me wrong. I'm going to lead myself. Don't ever lead yourself. <laughs> The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How does the Lord speak to us? In the book. Get in that book. All right, uh, that's Psalm. Look at Proverbs. Let's look at a couple from Proverbs that say real similar things. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart deviseth his way. But the Lord directed his steps. You can make the best plans. There was even a country song come out a year or two or three ago about this. It said, uh, we make our plans and God laughs. <laughs> even country singers know you're not in charge of yourself. Things happen beyond your control. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directed his steps. All right, look at Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. Man's goings are of the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. There it is again. How can a man then understand his own way? Listen, it's so complicated. It's so complex. So many different things will hit you from so many different directions. You're not going to know which way you're going. At some point, you're going to have to take your hands off and say, Lord... Take the steering wheel. I don't know what to do. Amen. One more. So we don't take up the whole message with this, but it's an important, it's an important truth. Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct. His steps. All right, now look, folks. Quit trying to run your own life. Quit letting other people run your life. Get plugged into God and do exactly what He tells you, and it'll all come out right. Amen. And as long as somebody else is running your life, and as long as you are running your life, it is going to be a problem. Let the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D tell you what to do. All right, back to Ruth. Back to Ruth. We saw Naomi's investments. Now let's look at Naomi's losses. Number one, God. She lost the Lord, at least she thought. And you can read by her testimony. She thought, boy, the Lord's turned on me, and he's no longer directing me, and I'm in a mess, and I've heard there's some bread up there, so I'm please go up there where i got family. Well, it was only because of what God directed in the family that 
things got better. Number one, he took away, she thought, her main reasons for life. She lost her husband and her two sons. Well, I've lost God. He's took away the things I was living for. The things you gave your life to fell apart, that song said that we quoted a minute ago. Tell you something else, he took away her bread and her sustenance. She said that food comes from the Lord, and now she doesn't have any. She must be losing the Lord. She says it was he that did it in verse 13. She says it was he that did it in verse 20. She says it was he that did it in verse 21. She lost her God, at least she thought so. She lost her husband, leaving her with loneliness. She lost her sons, losing her legacy. She lost her daughter-in-law, Orpah. Orpah, who in an emotional moment said, No, no, I, I wouldn't leave you. But when she realized the sacrifice, she left too. She lost her joy. Because in verses 20 and 21, you know what she said? She said, I'm bitter. Did you know bitterness may be the leading sin of God's people? There are a lot of people that quit on God because they got bitter. They lost a loved one. They lost their children, spiritually speaking or physically speaking or in some way. They lost some things that were dear to them. And they could not go on. Things were never right between them and God ever again. Why? They got bitter at him. You better watch for bitterness. A root of bitterness springing up. The Bible warns about in the New Testament. She lost her joy. So we've seen Naomi's investments. We've seen Naomi's losses. Now let's look at Naomi's returns. The first thing is the Lord said, Well, I tell you what, you lost your husband. You lost your sons. You lost one daughter-in-law. It didn't think a lot of you. It broke her heart to leave you. But I'm going to leave you with one. Ruth. Her name means friendship. She made an actual commitment. Orpah felt some emotion. Ruth made a commitment. Hey, let me ask you, Christian. Is it emotion or is it a commitment? If it's emotion, the feelings will come and go. The feelings will go up and down. If it's a commitment, you stick with it Aught but death part me and thee, Ruth said. I'll tell you something else about Ruth. As soon as Ruth gets there, the work starts. Ruth gets there and somebody starts working. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I am less than the least of all saints, not worthy to be called an apostle, but I labored more abundantly than they all. You know how to get the blessing of God? Start working. Amen. And don't misunderstand. That won't save you. I'm not saying that's part of your salvation. Salvation is purely by grace. Not one work you can do for it. But a lot of the blessings of God come from just committing to working for Him. Do what the Lord has laid on your heart. Take the opportunities He's given you. Ruth, friendship. Boaz shows up. He's the one that Ruth goes to work in his field. And you know the story, if you've heard this talk, how that um, Boaz and Ruth get interested in one another and get married. And when Boaz shows up, by the way, his name means fleetness. He fixes the life-sustaining problem, bread. All of a sudden, there's no more trouble with bread once God puts Boaz in there. 
But he's got plenty. Tell you something else, he fixes the loneliness. Because he marries Ruth, and they have a child. And they say, this is Naomi's son. No more loneliness for Naomi. I'll tell you something else about Boaz. He fixes the legacy. All of a sudden now, from their family, is going to be Obed and Jesse and David. Now you tell me a better legacy to have than King David, the hero of a large portion of the Old Testament. Amen. All those kings that did right, you know what it says about them? They, it says, like David, their father. What if Naomi would have committed suicide? What if Naomi would have stayed in Moab? I'm talking to somebody that's in a heartbreaking time. Get back with God. Good point. Stay faithful to Him. You don't know what the Lord might do with it. I bet if you'd have went to Naomi and told her when she had lost everything, if you'd have told her, oh, well, don't worry, you're going to go back to Israel and have a wonderful family with grandchildren that are a blessing and descended from them is going to come the greatest king, maybe the greatest human king, fully human king that's ever lived. I bet she wouldn't have believed it. Maybe you're in a place where you don't believe what God can do through you. Yes, He can. Stay faithful. And you'll go through some hungry times. You'll pay some consequences for your sins and mistakes and faults and failures. God knows we all have. Stay faithful. You don't know what He might do. There's many a story of somebody that just stayed faithful to the Lord with just a very few people they could minister to in a very small church, and a young child got saved there, and he's been on the mission field for decades, winning souls to the Lord. No way you could have thought that. Of course, we've told the story of Spurgeon many times. All right, uh, Ruth, chapter 2, we learn about Boaz. He fixes the life-sustaining problem. He fixes the loneliness. He fixes the le legacy. I'll tell you something else. He fixes the bitterness. After dealing with Boaz, they're happy. They, the neighbors say there is a son born to Naomi. The Bible says here in verse uh, <clears throat> chapter 4, verse 15, Thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. I mean, Naomi... Gets over her bitterness. Why? Because the Lord sends Boaz. And his son is Obed, which means serving. And his son is Jesse, which means I possess. And his son is David, which means the beloved. And his son is Solomon, which means peace. And as you know, his son is the Lord Jesus Christ, making it not just a historical legacy, but an eternal legacy. And his name means Jehovah is salvation. Am I talking to somebody that's been through a famine in your life? Am I talking to somebody that's been surrounded by some pagans and some heathen worshiping the wrong gods? You know what I suggest you do? Put your trust in the Lord and stay faithful to him even in a time of famine. And get away from the, those that worship the false gods and get faithful to God. And watch Him bless your end way more than your beginning. Because it's not what you start, it's how you finish.
It's not what happens to you, it's what you react with. It's not what you got, it's what you do with it. Amen. The only thing she had left was Ruth. You know what she did? She said, Ruth, go glean. We need a little bit of bread. And then she said, that's a, that's a near kinsman of my husband's. You marry him, we're, we're back in the family. She said, go and cover his feet. <laughs> you know, I'm almost embarrassed to read that story. She got pretty bold. And he said, bless you. <laughs> and the Lord blessed the whole thing. Right. Amen. You know what will happen if you'll stay faithful to God in a time of famine and in Moab? The Lord will bless the whole thing. In spite of the hardships you've been through, and you've been through something. The Lord knows you have, and I have too. I understand that. Let's not get bitter. Turn on God, but stay faithful to Him all the way to the end. Let's say to God, like Ruth says to Naomi, "Off but death part me and thee." He'll take care of it after death. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to.